we have a project. We have a project, we call it OM Champion Project. Hello everyone and welcome to the Marseille View. Um, today is a bit of a special episode. We don't normally record uh, recordings when there's no games. Uh, at the moment, as you probably all know, it's international break. Um, but we thought pff, there's a lot of news to talk about surrounding the club. Obviously, obviously there was the um, the last game with the OL game where even though we debriefed the game, there was just so much to talk about um, that we had to cut short on a lot of, of topics during that episode. So I think it'll... Today will probably be a, a great opportunity for us to, to talk some more about the drama, even better now because we've got kind of the, the back and forth between the clubs um, firing shots at each other, the committee that's still yet to decide what the, um, the sanctions will be for obviously the flares, but also the, the red card for Abra Gonzalez and, and some of the incidents on the pitch as well as off the pitch. Um, so we'll probably talk about that today. Um, but... Obviously, we want to have a broader view of, of how the season's gone so far. Because we haven't had a game like this week, it gives us a bit more time to talk about news outside of, of the pitch. So, um, we'll probably start with, with the Marseille-Lyon game. Uh, not the sports side, but more of the, the drama side. Then we're going to go into the assessment of the season, kind of broader view. Uh, and then uh, Ben, who I'm going to introduce in a, in a second, Ben will talk about the youth team and we'll kind of pitch into that. Um, we'll also talk about the contract situation. Um, you guys, if you follow Marseille news on a weekly basis, you will know that Lee Hadji has been a big, big integration mark um, surrounding the club because as of January, other clubs will be able to negotiate with his agents and therefore we'll have a lot of competition for, for obviously this, this promising player. Um, we will also talk about... Um, it's the start of the Christmas season, so obviously with Christmas season, we have transfer windows, so we have Strootman, who's linked with, with two big European clubs, um, so we'll talk about him, but also broader about the position in general, because we are kind of lacking a number six, that's that's no secret to anyone, and so losing Strootman will obviously mean even more strain on that position, so we can talk about that, and we'll probably round off the episode with um, Stay sticking with the transfer targets and, and the transfer season because that's kind of like the exciting use of the mid-season. So we'll talk about a bit a bit about transfer targets and, and who Marseille could approach considering all the holes that we've got in the squad. So without further ado, um, we're going to get into it. Um, I'm first going to introduce the speakers. Last week, uh, it was great last week because uh, we had two new voices. We had Mo, uh, who's been there before, but it was first season. And then we had Raf, who was his first of the of the for the podcast. Um, but obviously today we have some um, some um, uh, some voices that we we'll all recognise. Uh, and I'm just going to say right too pleased about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, thanks, Lucas. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> It's always nice to have always. I mean, it's, I'm always a bit excited about hearing new people. It's just different perspective, but it's always nice to go back to the usuals. You know, to to the starting squad. We we'll give the sub a chance, but at the, at the end of the day, it's, 
it's the starting 11 that counts, isn't it? <laughs> so uh, we'll start off with our first speakers. We've got, we'll start with the person who just uh, rudely introduced himself before I did. Um, Stefan, how you doing? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, how did, how did you feel? We haven't had a chance to talk about the Leon game. So how, how did you feel after after Sunday? Uh, I was so stoked. It was such a good game. And um, I, th- I think the next day as well, I just I was just totally buzzing from it. I, I actually watched it again like the highlight, you know, you get like the, they do the highlights on BT Sport right after the game. Like you can watch like it's like forty five minutes long, so it's quite a good um, like cut of the game. And I just watched that when I was working uh, yeah. from home, you know, yeah. my other, other screen up and stuff. So and it's not a bad um, one. Yeah, to I just run. like I, I I could get enough of it to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, we're, we're like flooded with OM Leipzig and OM Salzburg game, and this is probably going to be one of them, isn't it? They're like, in the tough times of the season, everyone's just going to go back to highlights from that game. Yeah, because we don't get nights like that very often, do we, anymore? So we're not, we're just not, we've not been good enough over the, in, in recent years. So I think those kind of games are so few and far between. It's just, it, it means so much more when we do get a, a win like that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, we'll probably talk about. About obviously the fact that it was so unforgettable game is probably also because of of off the pitch the anniversary and the drama around it and the fact that it's Leon. So we'll probably talk a little bit about about that in a minute. But before I'll introduce our second guest. Um, so Ben, how are you doing, Ben? Good, thanks, guys. How are you? Yeah, not too. Bad. <laughs> I'm not doing too bad. Yeah, there's there's worse. Uh, I mean, it's always nice. It's always nice to to, to keep watching Marseille games, but I mean. <laughs> Always sometimes yeah, it's at the nice moment. to get a break, and I, I guess for, for me personally, the best part about this is we stay second in the table for two weeks. So <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's one way of looking at it, despite the the boring, bloody international break. I know, where... I fucking hate the international break. So boring. Yeah, they, they just seem to be very often, don't they? And well, it's all mm. going to slow down next year because the, leading up to the Euros, there won't be as many. But it's, with the Nations League and, and, and the friendlies and, and the qualifiers, it just mm. seems like it's. it's they've added games in it just feels like every every three weeks there's a break it's fucking frustrating mm. yeah I know a lot of people aren't going like, to agree with me saying this but I, I also doesn't help that I just find France a bit boring these days you know as a, I used to really enjoy watching when the national team were playing um, and for the last few years I just find them a bit dull I, I don't know I just can't bring myself to watch games like France versus Moldova yeah it's it's a bit of a win, taboo win. topic because, especially because now we're world champions, it's a bit of a taboo topic. Because I've been saying even before the World Cup started, I said whatever outcome there is of this World Cup, even if we win and stuff, we, we need to move on from Deschamps. I, I can't keep watching those games. And now that he's won, well, he can't do no wrong. Every time someone criticizes his play, yeah. it's like, well, the aim is to win the World Cup, so. Like, I don't even care anymore. We won. They won the World Cup, and I got to see them win the World Cup when I was a kid as well. So I'm kind of good for another 15, 20 <laughs> years or something. I'm, I'm not bothered. Spoiled, and spoiled then, child. Yeah. So, there's no. I've, it's not like I can support Scotland. So. Oh, <laughs> to there. So, but yeah, I'm good. I'm good for. I'm good to go for a few years. So. Yeah. True. Okay. Right. So let's let's bring it back to to non-national teams. We'll go back to Marseille. So, uh, the first topic we want to talk about surrounding Marseille is obviously the Lyon game, um, but more of the drama side. So, uh, we all know that Olas, after the game, had a bit of a meltdown. Um, obviously, he always has a bit more of a row when his team doesn't win, um, but this time, because it's the Marseille game, he kind of highlighted a lot of, of issues and a lot of exaggerations that he made. 
Um, after the game, there was obviously a lot of tweets that Olas is, is very famous for doing, um, following which Marseille did a club statement. Um, and following Marseille's club statement, I'm going to read you OL's statement, highlighting and outlining the issues that they had with the game um, that they will bring up to the discipline committee as well to try to get Marseille punished for these actions. So um, just for the sake of, of, of the viewers and, and the listeners and the speakers here, if, if you don't remember, if you don't know the statement off by heart, <laughs> um, Leon highlighted several, uh, several problems, several, like, like they said, events and incidents that surrounded the match. So they highlighted the shields that had to be deployed by the national police when taking the corners because of the, the little papers that were thrown at the players. Um, the fact that um, the firecrackers were, were being thrown around and obviously it's very loud. Uh, the numerous flares being lit up because of the anniversary of the club. Uh, insults against Rudy Garcia, the lasers pointed at Anthony Lopez. Um, the exaggerated lack of fair play shown by the ball boys because they prevented the players from recovering the ball quickly at the end of the game, which meant that a lot of time-wasting was involved. And finally, the disrespectful <laughs> attitude of Dimitri Payet at the end of the match, um, going as far as approaching the bench of Rudy Garcia to create an incident. Um, and additionally, insults towards Rudy Garcia, which I'm sure everyone's shocked and nobody expected to have insults towards Rudy Garcia in this game. But that's what they mentioned. So... First to you guys, I'm not going to ask you guys individually because it's, it'll be more of a discussion. What, what do you think is, is going on with this? Do you think it's just the same old drama surrounding Marseille against Lyon that seems to be happening every year? Or is this kind of a sev uh, isolated incident that it will require and obviously warrant sanctions for Marseille? Um, do you want to go first, Ben? You seem a bit at the loss there's of a lot, so yeah. There's a lot to tackle there, yeah. So I guess I'm not sure to start. Look, first of all, can I just say I'm I'm loving it. Um <laughs> I love I love seeing Olas rattled like this. Um we we've obviously done a number on them on on and off the pitch. Um I, I of course do not condone at all any violence or anybody throwing stones and, and well I think they actually throw through um some um some, some power tools or some crap apparently at the, the, the bus, which is not good. We never want yeah, to see that. Yeah, I was going to you didn't mention the bus, did you? But it, but oh, yeah, I didn't. I mean, it was mentioned at the start of the of the statement, yeah, but not outlined in a bullet yeah, point. Yeah, but it's it, it's to be expected. And, and to be fair, they did they did suggest that they use, uh, you know, a, um, a sort of plain white bus that couldn't be recognised. We do that when we go away to PSG for the same reasons. Uh, all of this is is Olas is making. You know, he 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 he's a master. We know what he's like. We know that his strategy. If he wins, he can gloat about it and and etc. etc. But if he loses, he's got so many excuses because he's prepared it so well that he can fall back on them and and sort of take all the heat off of his underperforming players. And and at the minute, they're desperate. You've got to you've got to you've got to recognise that they're fourteenth in the league. All of all, all all the press coverage of them at the minute is is very negative. Um, they're not playing well. Their manager is is a loser. We know that he's not going to last long. I don't know if you guys saw that his speech at half time that was that was recorded. It was, it was <laughs> yeah. just 
is an absolute comedy sketch. I mean, look, I felt like I was watching David Brent. But what was so bad about it? Was it just because of the, the, like, the lack of charisma he's got? That's that, kind of... and, and the wording he used, I mean, it just didn't make any fucking sense. You, know? you, wouldn't, you wouldn't give a speech like that in, in, in a sports dressing room. It just does... I, I don't know, it just felt weird. And it even the players, players, the Leon players, players just look completely... Yeah, they look confused. And what, what, is this, what exactly did he say, though? I, don't, I mean, I, I saw a video of it, but I didn't really get what was so... Other than he's quite a dull guy, I didn't really get what was so... What, what he said that was so shocking. Was it just about kind of... Just sort of trite and dull? Was well, that... Yeah, he... Uh, well, yeah, I think he used an analogy. He used um, the analogy of the... You know, I don't want to call it the rope, the rope walker person thing. <laughs> you know, the... He's like, you need to stay concentrated and composed, yeah. just like the, the guys who walk on the rope from one from point A to B does it yeah, and stays there. Yeah. As they call them, yeah. And you're, and you're okay. like, and they, all the players just look like they either obviously didn't understand the language because they're foreign, but also the French, even the French guys just look like, what the fuck is he just doing? What? What? what the, the, yeah, and, and in that short clip, basically, he doesn't talk about football at all. Yeah. Barely, barely talks about football. So I yeah. think that's what, per, that's what threw people off a bit. But, yeah, just just to finish it off, Olas prepared this, you know, masterfully. And let's face it, the, the only they never get as much press coverage than when they play against us. So he's he's going to milk it. Um, he can play the victim all he wants. The fact is, it was OM two, Leon one, and they're still fourteen. So you know, <laughs> kick and shout, kick and shout all you want, mate. Fill your boots. No one gives a fuck. You know, you're going to cry. The one thing that, that has really, really annoyed me, there is something that has annoyed me, is the fact that the the first time ever the Referees Commission actually spoke out publicly to condemn the refereeing yeah. decision. That is and, ridiculous. And yeah. that, that is just, of course, it's against Marseille, and it's, it, 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 it hurt me all. So if there, was, if, there, if there were still people out there doubting the influence that this person has... And this person being Olas on on all of the league, all of the referees, etc., etc., that they, they, they're not even fucking hiding again. Yeah, but they're be, clearly hand in hand. Yeah, they're clearly working, conspiring against be, against others. Stefan, before yeah, you, you know that we we spoke on the podcast. Remember, um, some weeks ago about um, you know, just about Marseille, just all the kind of bad luck that we get and the bad treatment we get in terms of things like sanctions and stuff from the league um but yeah that that issue with the you know the body that um like manages the refereeing um coming out the guy coming out and saying that just shows you how much doesn't it like the football it's just another example of where the football establishment in france is quite anti-om and it just and i know everyone thinks that like all the non-marseille um, fans and 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 French football think that we just complain and we cry that we're always being oppressed and, and but that we're just shy. Um, but stuff like that just, uh, I mean, it's, the, we're just getting fed the ammo, you know. To, and we like, got to, there was France football who even made yeah. an article saying, should we replay the match? And you're like, exactly. What the fuck? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, even the media as well. You know? I mean, I know not all like the media, media outlets were, were saying stuff like that, but yeah, France football. I mean, and you know, France football is obviously one of the the biggest, you know, football. Wait, they're in charge of Ballon d'Or. Yeah. <laughs> still, are they still? Yeah. They, but, they, um, they but yeah, so like, I mean, it. it just shows you like there's and there's 
the, the, that narrative is there, man. It's across the media, it's across the bodies that regulate the game and so on. It just feels like, you know, that we are often um, unfairly treated. And, and I, I know that's a shit stance to, to take because I kind of always feel a bit embarrassed sort of hiding behind that. But that game just showed it all, you know, the reaction to it. Every time we played Leon, you know, or any other game like that, and we get decisions against us, we don't get the luck of... You know the referee is coming out and saying that oh no the game should you know that shouldn't that goal shouldn't have stand, stood and so on. Yeah. The media don't bother wasting a whole week banging on about how the game maybe could have been replayed and things like that. Mm-hmm. We just don't get that, you know. We just it's like we're just expected to kind of like suck it up and move on. I know, but now I mean I feel like the fact that we won and we can still obviously see the the bias from from referees and from media. I think it feels. I feel like it. It, val- it kind of validates our point. Like we're not just hiding the fact to kind of make excuses for a loss because we won, and even in a mm-hmm. win, you can see like that we we've benefited from that game. It's not like we've lost a game or lost points or, yeah. or even had an injury, but you can still find like blatant evidence of of how biased like f- the football French football world is about about Marseille and Lyon. Yeah. Um, One thing though I see that is good is though is the club that hasn't like properly. I know they did issue a statement. They haven't been dragged into this kind of like slagging war with all us. Yeah. In the past, the you're not going to win it. Even Elo has in the past. LeBrun, Jeff, they've all kind of got into these kind of war of words um, with all us, and he he loves the shit all us. He's all he loves. He's just trying to go them into saying stuff and and. It, it's good publicity, I guess, for him as well in the club. And but I, I actually like the fact that this time he didn't kind of like succumb to that. They kind of just sort of brushed it off and have kind of let him and Leon sort of play out the whole kind of theatre and not really get too dragged into it and just enjoy the moment that we, you know, the the, the aftermath of the game and the victory. So yeah, um... yeah. I thought I thought our um, our press release was was very 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 calm and composed and exactly the right response because we we actually it was actually very very well written and we don't play into his hand. We go on to, to suggest how we could improve VAR and refereeing. So yeah, I was I was quite happy and satisfied. You know you know we've all reacted like this when you see us do a press press release. You're like oh for fuck's sake, someone's going to put their foot in their mouth. But actually for a change. It felt quite, quite, quite nice. It was quite good. Final words on this topic. Um, do you guys think that um, the sanctions applied to Marseille uh, for the flares and for all the incidents outlined by Lyon, do you think that we're going to go as far as an empty stadium for a couple of games? Or will it just stay within fines? Because normally what they do with nah. flares is they, I mean, they, they close out the part of the stadium that put out the flares. But in this game, it's it, apart from apart from Gandhi and Jumbo, it's the whole stadium. Well, I think they'll, they'll do what they usually do at worst because what, what I don't remember is um, it's always the problem with the context around these these sanctions, isn't it? Is that you you get given um, suspended sentences, and I don't remember if we're still under the, the cusp of one of those. But that don't doesn't matter though. We had they had to stop the game to like. Yeah. yeah. It just makes it worse, doesn't it? If, yeah. you're, if you're on a suspended sentence, that which mm. means that you usually what they do is they close, as you say, they close the the virage, mm. part of the virage for for one game, and then they tell you, you know, they warn you and say 
be careful next time we'll close the whole stadium or we'll close the whole village, not just part of it. So I don't know if we're under the, the, the menace of one of those, but uh, yeah, I think it'll be a fine and, and whatever. But it's, it would be laughable for us to get sanctioned for throwing fucking paper balls at players. I know, I know. It's just, I mean, it's just a joke. Well, it's just thinking, like, there's been games, like, if you think back to the time, um, the game with Valbuena, um, against us, early on, I mean, we were chucking glass bottles at the fucking players and stuff. Yeah. Like, what happened all night wasn't wasn't anywhere near as bad as stuff that we've seen in previous like, games like that, you know? So, yeah. But it's all scrunched up bottles of paper. Yeah. Right, and not the end of the world. Right. I don't um, know why like, shields for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, obviously, we are now, I believe, 13... Yeah, we're 13 games into the season. So, we're round about just the third way through the season. So, it gives us a bit... A good opportunity, a good sample size to have a bit of an assessment of, of how the season's gone so far. 13 games, there's been a lot of ups and downs, especially for me, in my opinion. Um, but we've also beaten quite quite a lot of big teams, which is a, a fatal flaw that Marseille hasn't done for many, many years. Regardless of, of who the coach was, whether it was Garcia, Bielsa, Michel, Passi... Give it up, give it up, you're going to have to... But I am giving it up, I am giving it up. That's what I'm But it gives us a bit of time to, to <laughs> do an assessment and have a, a broader view of how this season's gone so far. Um... Within that, Ben will talk about the youth team um, because this is something, this topic that is not talked about very often. We tend to focus and tend to assess the success of a club on the first team's um, achievements, which is natural. But we also need to highlight the background work and the youth team, youth academy work that's been done when it's done well, especially for Marseille, and it's something that's not done often. So Ben will talk a little bit about that. Um, Stefan, um, 13 games in, Marseille second. A little bit of a of misleading position because we are six points away from the 14th Leon. What what conclusions did you draw early in the season? I, I think you're kind of right to be honest. Like I think that after the, the Leon game, moving up to second place, we're going to the international break. I'm thinking, oh, Villas Boss is doing a pretty good job actually. You know how this couldn't be going better, but really, um, if you'd asked me that question after the PSG game, before we went on to beat Leo and Leon, I wasn't so sure that things were going as well as, as they are now. And I, I had doubts, you know, even a few weeks back, I had doubts that he was going to end up getting the sack if we lost the series of games. Um, I mean, maybe that was never going to happen, but I did think mm, the season might be falling apart pretty badly here. We were 12 um, at that point. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, all this shows you is just how much of a, Sort of mess. It's all how topsy turvy the, the the French league is at the moment. It's like you can lose a game and you drop down near the relegation zone, and then you win a game and you're um, sucking around the podium. It's crazy, um, and it's just everyone's so inconsistent at the moment that um, apart from PSG, there's just not really. I, I guess it's a sort of free for all. Um, anyone has really got a chance of finishing anywhere. Um, I think that Villas Boas. I actually quite like what I see of him so far, to be honest. I think that he showed some good signs. He's been a bit naive in some games, but um, I think apart from a consistency issue, I feel that there's pro there is some progress there from what we had last year. And even with a slightly weaker squad, I do feel that we are playing more as a team. We look tactically better, um, and 
you know, I've got faith that Vilas Boas is going to, you know, properly um, give an opportunity to some of the younger players as the season season goes on. So I feel like there is definitely some positives here. Ben, what 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 conclusions do you make? And you obviously you you can segue into your in, into the youth team assessment as well. Um, fairly the same. I mean, look, I, it makes it's no surprise to anyone here. I've, I've liked ABB from the start, and I've, I've sort of always liked him as a coach, even though he's made his mistakes at other clubs. Um, I think he's come to us in in, in a position where he's he's well travelled, so. You've got to remember the, the context that we, we we started from. You know, we came from Lidi Gasser. We we were absolutely awful last season. The players' heads were down, and he's come in and, and somehow, yes, he's not blown us away. I mean, I, I won't go as far as saying he's blown us away, but he's steadied the ship, and and we're, we're on track. You know, we're, we've we've got the same sort of number of points as we had last year, except. The main difference being that many of our main rivals, whether it's Lille, Saint-Étienne or Lyon, have, have started quite poorly and, and are now playing catch-up with us, which is the position we want to be in. Um, and we've come through a, a run of tough games and, and we've beaten Lille and Lyon, yes, at home, but we've, we've still won those games. And we've beat Saint-Étienne as well. So we've taken, I think we've drawn too many games against, against weaker sides, but... Again, the context, Gonzalez was missing, Hyatt was suspended, Kamara was missing for a couple of those, Tobar is injured. Um, so, for saying what the AVB has got to work with, I'm, I'm pretty happy, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm happy with um, the way we've been, we've been playing and, and the fact that we don't look like a one-trick pony offensively anymore. We don't seem to just rely on getting it out wide to, to one of the full-backs for them to cross it in. We do actually combine intelligently and... and um, you know, this this sort of goes into as well not just ABB's tactical plan, but, but look at the club at all levels. I mean, Zubi made three signings: Benedetto, Gonzalez, and, and, and Rongier, and all three of them have paid off massively. I mean, Benedetto's our leading scorer. Gonzalez is, is a, a rocket defence. He's, you know, he's he's, he's got clean tie. He's got everything that all them fans like to see. He's become a fan favourite very quickly, and Rongier is. is Doing a very good job in midfield. Yeah, he's been he's been elected uh, man of the month. Yeah, and, and compare that was... with the previous summer where we signed Stripman, Radonjic, and Chalitasar. Exactly. And how, how poorly those players integrated into the team in that season. So it's been yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it goes to show that you know I think many of us said it at the time and, and we've indicated now because it's paid off. It's paid off. It's it's exactly what. We said Garcia was a big part of the problem, and I think he came in, took too much of the power, too much of the influence. Iroh gave too much of that to him, um, and, and I think Iroh, if anything, has learned his lesson, especially now he's screwed them over and gone to Lyon after he's paid them ten yeah. million. But I think he's, I think Iroh has learned. Just let Zubi do his job and let ABB coach the team, and, and ABB and Zubi seem to have a good dynamic going. So yeah, happy so far. I'd, I'd give him a good, I'd say probably. Seven out of ten, but maybe six and a half out of ten because there's room for improvement. But you know, I hope so. We're, yeah, we're a third of the way into the season and we're, we're second in the league. And we need to score more goals. But yeah, I think I think when Tomar comes back, it will be like having a new signing, and that that will actually pay dividends. Okay. Yeah. Um. I'll probably chime in a bit. It's um. Obviously, you guys make a, a lot of very fair points. I think. The, the main points to put 
to to this as as like benefits to the season and things to point out that that are great is is our limited squad. Um, obviously the main man Tovan isn't here, even though at the end of last season he was less than perfect on on all 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 facets of the game. But he's not here. Payet was was out for four games for suspension. Alvaro Gonzalez um is is out again and he's out. Um, after the Leon game, we'll see the sanction what happens, but probably for two games. Um, we've had you know multitudes of injuries. We've had problems with with the holes that we didn't fill in the transfer window, and so we had to put a lot of young blood, a lot of new youth team um, components into the first team. We've seen in the squad sometimes we had as many as nine youth products, which is like unprecedented in a in a in a Marseille team sheet. And despite all of these obstacles, we are second. But the downfall, the problem with that is, is one the fact that we are we are second second only with three points from the ninth um, team in the league. So it doesn't really mean anything. We lose the next game, which which we could lose the next game. Um, we're back outside of of any European spots. So I wouldn't draw any conclusions on the position and like draw my my analysis on the position alone. And also one one point that I don't see very often, but I've picked out is our goal difference is minus one. And the reason why that is, is because we've only won two games by more than one goal. We can't close yeah. out games. It's it's. Yeah, I forgot about that. One. Well, yeah, yeah, but we've. I, I guess the, the main problem is we've, and, and we've said it many times on the pod after after that run of games that we had where we didn't win, and, and we I think we drew three and lost one. Um, we've not creating enough chances, and. and Yes, that that happened to coincide with Payet being suspended and, and Tovan's injured. So our two most creative players, who have been the most decisive for us in the last three years in terms of goals and and, and assists, were missing for a run of four games. Yeah, and, but Tovan's been missing for longer. Yeah, but we've known um, Tovan's going to be out for basically uh, three quarters of the season for a while. Payet's only been out for four games. I mean, we've had thirteen yeah, games, which tell, means nine games the, he's played, and. It, honestly, winning by only one goal a game is not a sustainable sustainable way of winning. And and yes, thirteen yeah. game, games is a lot. But towards the end of the season, when teams are going to start fighting for their lives, fighting for their jobs, one being able to only create two chances a game is not going to be good enough. And and we're going we're to talk about the transfer window. But I don't see any prolific strikers that we're going to be able to acquire to change that. And I'm sorry, but it's I, also I, down to the I, tactics. We'll talk about that. It, it's also <laughs> down to the tactics. We've played in a four-three-three that clearly didn't work with our players. Um, we've we've changed once to a three at the back, which was a disaster. Um, and we've gone back to four-three-three. And if you if you objectively, if you look at how the season's gone so far, the fact that we've been very very good because we have been very very good in the last two games, you'd put that down to more of an anomaly. Than what we've seen for the, the the whole season, which is basically a very sluggish team that isn't even solid in defence. We've made loads of mistakes in defence, and we're not prolific on attack, and that's a recipe for disaster. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like the you know winning games by one goal a game and stuff like that is a good sign at this start, stage of the season because there's something to build upon. There's a foundation there, and we're sort of grinding out difficult results. I feel like that's better than you know hammering a team three nothing one week and then getting hammered the week after it feels like yeah every game's have been a bit of a fight a bit of a challenge but we're sort of pushing ourselves through um those sort of tight matches and i think 
bar the fact that we got pumped off PSG for nothing, which was going to happen anyway. We lost that game, the first game of the season, two nothing to to Reims. Um, and we weren't we weren't ready then, you know. Villa, um, I, I suppose, certainly wasn't. He was a bit naive. It was the first game of the season. We weren't ready. I feel like apart from that, you know, we're sort of we're winning the battles for the most part. We're getting, you know, we're, we're grinding out those those points where we can. We can build upon that. And we can create more chances in time and score more goals in time. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Great. I'm all with that. Um, We've got so we we've obviously spent quite a lot of time on the on these two points. So um, I think if you want to cover other news, probably probably we should move on as well. Um, yeah. yeah, just very very briefly, I yeah. guess that the final point that, that we never talked about is that you've set up, and, and very briefly, they, they, I think we were, we were all criticising the dire situation over the summer, where I think we were we got to within a week of the new season starting, and we didn't have any, we barely had any youth coaches because we sacked half of them and the others left. Mm. Um, and they brought in Nasser Rakhir, who, you know, the guy's, he, he's, he's been at other clubs in the region. Um, he's doing a stellar job, I think it has to be said. He's doing a really good job because all of our youth teams are, are in the top three of their respective leagues. We've got some it's, good prospects coming through. It's very impressive, to be honest. It has to be said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's, it's, that, that's, that's another positive that we can highlight. And, and the club are clearly working towards the future. So Zubi did the groundwork last season, it looks like, because... Kamara emerged and, and the Hadji's now with the, the first team regularly but um, I think that Nakia has brought in a team and, and it's, it's paying dividends because we're, in, we're doing really well at youth level which is something that has not really happened for us in the last few years. I think we've won one combat in the last 20 years. <laughs> Do you think that that might be attributed to the fact that the measures well to the measures that um, Evo and Garcia and Zubzareta have been doing over the last few years about trying to um, work with other clubs to sign young players. You that's, part, that's part of it, yeah, that's part of it. But I just think it's, it's a lot more structured now in terms of it's just a more professional outfit. The club is more professional. You know, I think I think that when Annie Gould was there, there was a lot of, you know, you're getting in the team because your dad's so-and-so. <laughs> yeah, um, seen a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 for, for example. But it's just, I, I think we're actually, we're growing and we're becoming a proper football club, which is something that we've, we've, we, the fans, have cried out for for years. It needs to be professional. We can't just be the little regional club that, that challenges from time to time. We need to build solid foundations. So, yeah, that's happening. I think that something that Lucky has said, which will be the last point I picked upon, is the way that ABB is really, really having a, a positive influence on the academy because during... I think he said last week in an interview that each international break, he sits down with ABB and ABB says to him, "Send me, you know, the top five performers, and I'm going to I'm going to train them with the first team for two weeks while the international breaks on." Yeah, this is a healthy dynamic. Yeah, apparently he's really really encouraging the kids and putting putting the kids through their paces. But senior senior players of the squad like Streetman and and. Others and Payet, obviously, when they're not on international duty, they apparently they have very good influence on the academy as well. So, hmm. yeah, to, to finalise that point, I think that we can, we can say overall that the, the club has taken a positive step forward by sacking Garcia, bringing in new faces, and, and it's paying off so far. Long may it continue. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. The only, the only one thing is, though, is the, I was looking at the, the table for the CFA. The B team, yeah, and they're like they're not doing great though. They're they're still like um, I think 
kind of low end of the table in their in their league, and that and that I think yeah. the, the, the reserve um, the reserve is taken with a pinch of salt though, because where whereas the youth teams that under seventeen or the fifteen they do play in their own division and their own age group, it, it's been said since last year that the CFR obviously plays with with other teams in the districts and region who are growing men like some of them are even thirty five. And there's a deliberate effort to only play very young players in that team. We only have one or two players above the age of 25 in that team. It's made specifically. But we don't want yeah, just the B be team. We want kind of on the cusp of the first team, though, yeah. aren't they? Like you know, guys like Nkunku and Flipano. I would have, so I would have thought they'd be ready for that level. Uh, it's still, it's still very young. Be... I think the point that they've highlighted it in Le Frappe, even though he's not there, he highlighted it last year saying that the point of the, the the B team now isn't to get result, it's more to bleed players into the physicality of grown okay. men football, especially in, in the districts of Marseille, when physicality is essentially the end-all, be-all. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's not so much about winning, it's about basically getting them ready to play for the first team. Okay, now that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, um, just our, our our final big point, but there's probably going to branch out in, in a few several different points, is it's the it's the 18th of November, which means that in about six weeks' time, the uh, winter transfer window is going to open, which means that as the Euros are coming up, most of the players who have aspirations to go to the Euros will have the agents basically tell the media to link them to Marseille, um, either to, to, to make give Joe a reaction to their club, to make them play more, or to actually get interest for Marseille. And some of the players might actually be interesting. I'm not sure if you if you guys have any ideas in mind, but Zubi Zareta made a statement after an interview with Le Fossien, um not so long ago, uh, where he said that basically the, the philosophy for the transfer window, this upcoming window, will be the philosophy of opportunity. He said, he basically, I'll paraphrase, but he says that we will be looking for players that are not currently playing, getting enough time, but also have possibilities to play in the upcoming Euros. The ones that will need game time in order to impress the the national coach to put them in a squad. But from now until the, the transfer window, a lot of things can, can happen. We can have a lot more injuries on our side and therefore we need to be very very careful as to who we pick and what positions because now now I'm, I'm, I've, I've finished a quote now I'm going to expand on it it this is basically a short-term short-term kind of outlook on on the transfer window we're not trying to bring in young players we're trying to basically assess the holes that we have and bring in veterans those who have experience in national teams and who have, have hopes um not as good as players like Payet, but essentially the same profile. The the elderly, the late twenty players um, that want to make a final push at an international team. Um, mm. So that being said, what do you what positions do you think we would need to fill more broadly? And and do you have any names in in mind um, as to who could be brought in that would fit that description? I mean, I, I haven't really seen us linked with many names, to be honest. The only ones that I can think of recently is, I, I think today, we were um, linked with um, some American chap that I don't know anything about. Yeah. Um, but, um, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not expecting us to sign anybody. Um, you I think, think it's going to be a blank window? 
Because it yeah, was like that last year. The focus is going to be on whether or not we're, we're re-signing anyone into new contracts. And if, if Strickman goes, we might we might sell we might sign a replacement, um, a cheaper or a temporary replacement. But I'm not expecting really any signings. Vilas Boas has been quite vocal about this throughout the season that he's not expecting. He's, he said, you know, he's expect he's saying that the squad's thin. But he's not expecting reinforcements in January, um, because of the situation, the financial situation the club's in. So I no, I don't. I'm, I I think you you know you can tell because usually the press are just conjuring up whatever rumours they can and linking as well sorts of names, and we, they've not been giving us anything. Um, it's true. It's been just to me that there's nothing on the cards. Yeah, it's been notably quiet. Like even though it's in six weeks' time, normally we get from October we get links with with various um. Yeah, exactly. Clubs. We would have had them started by now. I would have think. I would yeah. have thought, and um, they're they just not getting them. So I suspect if there's if there's no rumours, then there's not a lot of action going on. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Uh, oh, have we lost uh, Ben? Sorry, I was fiddling with the mute button then. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I, I think Steph's right. I don't, I don't expect anybody to come in if we don't sell Strutman. And clearly, clearly that is going to be the priority yeah. because he's, he's the highest salary at the club with players. So. Well, yeah, let's talk about Strutman actually then. Let's, he, so he's been linked um, in the last couple of days with um, two not European giants, but very big clubs that could contend with, with Marseille in terms of, of interest for a player. Um, we've got West Ham, um, Everton, I believe, and AC Milan. Um, it's oh, that's interesting. We so we'd be looking. I don't know exactly what the details of the of the transactions would be, um, but it it would either be a loan, like Everton was talking about a loan, because to fill out the gap that Andre Gomez did with his horrific injury, um, and and um, not McCourt, West Ham and AC Milan would be looking for an outright transfer. But how much could we really get out of him? Have you guys got any more hopes for him? Do you think he should leave? Because we're basically completely like out with that position of number six. Well, we've, we've shut all over him, so I wouldn't blame him if he did leave. I mean, you know, it, it all sitting in Durham telling him, you've got to go, mate, we can't afford you, and, and we don't want you is not great. But look, he's put in a shift. He's, we, we, we've discussed it at length. When he, when he wasn't in the team, we, we got absolutely battered. Away to um, is it Dijon? Yeah, and Amiens. Uh, mm. Amiens, sorry. So, uh, look, he, he, he does a job. I, I, I'm okay with keeping him, but if we do get the opportunity to sell him, and Zubi has someone in mind along the lines of an Alvaro Gonzalez that he can go and fetch and, and bring in to slot into that position in number six, then I'm all for it. But if we don't, if the, if the objective is to sell him and not replace him, then no way. No way. We can't afford to lose another midfielder because we're. we're, we're too many of our players have the same profile. Yeah. No one um, could play think, number six, apart yeah. from him. And, he, and even him. I think, I think I read somewhere that um, I think McCaw has is, is personally told them they need to sell Strutman to free up his wages. Um, so I, I, I think he stays on number. I do think it's likely we're going to... Do you know what? I don't think we'll sell him. I think that we'll struggle to get decent money for him and that we'll send him yeah. on loan. I, th- I think we, we will happen. Yeah, I, it, think they, I think they'd sell him for even between five and ten million. No, no, no way. They would, they would just to offload the salary because he's, he's, he's on a five-year deal, guys, or a four-year deal, isn't he? So 
just to save the money and the salary, that would be that would even if you sell him for somewhere between five and ten million, it's an overall saving of between fifteen and twenty million. So that's that is the way Earl will look at this and McCourt will look at this and go, hey, sell him then. Yeah, but I, I think you can. I think you can realistically sell him on deadline day and the summer transfer window coming up for more than that. Um, obviously, yeah, winter, not for thirty million. Winter's always shit for transfers. Exactly. Exactly. By the way, you said AC Milan. There's some interesting stuff going on at AC Milan. There's players that they weren't rid of. Um, we could surely do a deal with them because I was reading the other day that. They want to send out the Polish guy up front. Yeah, Chetek. They, they want to send him out on loan because he's had a bad couple of months. He's fucking excellent. Like They bought him 35 million. Right. Well, on loan, though. I mean, I, yeah. I'd happily swap him for Strutman, even though I know he's a different player. player. And, and I think the, the, um, the African guy they've got in the middle of the park as well. Kessier. There's been lots of suggestions that they might get rid of him as well. Yeah, Kessier, will move, Kessier will move to Wolves or Leicester for 40-odd million. Yeah. That, that's, got, that's got Premier League written all over yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, well, well, staying with that position then, if we look as we, you've mentioned that the winter transfer window is not the best window to recruit players... Um, it, 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 it introduced the issue that we did mention last podcast about Kamara, who has been, let's say, good to very, very good for us in this, in a, as, a, as a defensive midfielder and promising but very young. Raf, last podcast, did mention that the prime age for a centre-back is 28 to 32 and he's, he's like still has got 10 years ahead of that before he even hits his predicted prime. So... Highlighting the issue that we have with Strootman, that he's not on form, that he could leave, um, Kamara seems like the natural option to fill his boots. However, he has had an interview recently where he um, he did say that you know, like even I'm happy to play for cent- as centre mid if the if there needs be, I'm still a centre back and I want to play centre back. And so you you do run the risk of of having a Gustavo situation where even though the player is good at that position, the position that he's playing in is unwanted, and therefore his morale is going to go down, and you're not going to get the best out of him either position. And that also links in, before I ask your thoughts on that, with his performances for the France team. For France, he plays as centre-back. Um, he, ben mentioned off-podcast he had two assists, uh, which is obviously unbelievable to see from centre-back, but when they played Georgia, they conceded two goals, and he was heavily involved in both goals. Um, it clearly his defensive woes have not uh, from this season have not left have disappeared because he's still having them for the for the front team. So what would you guys do? Like, would you just disregard his comments and play him as a starter, or would you just basically force and run the risk of conceding one or two goals of his fault every game? I'd, I'd have a chat with him and say, mate, you're going to the centre mid for as long as we need you there. And... <laughs> It's just got to be done. If he's the best one there, he's the best one there. And, and you know what he, who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Lorik Sana a lot. Because Lorik Sana did the same for us. He came in at midfield. And then when we actually bought midfielders that were better, him in, better than him in midfielder, we put him, we put him in centre-back and he was brilliant there. And, and I think Kamara will probably be the same. He'll, he'll, improve, he'll improve his game and his defensive awareness by playing defensive midfield and, you know, probably improve his sort of sense of positioning and timing because that's what he seems to struggle with is, is his positioning and timing in defence where he, he doesn't always read read the, the way the attacks are going to unfold. So 
and 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 that leads him to commit too early sometimes, and he, he ends up getting sussed out and getting getting taken out. So by playing defensive midfield, he can polish that side of his game, and he can he can learn to read the game a bit better whilst having that safety net behind him of the, the two centre backs to mop up. But it's got to be done, you know. We, we, I, the guy's he's a kid of the club. I just think that maybe that interview was taken a bit out of context because let's face it, if you're if you're born in the city and you're a fan of Wern, just just putting on the shirt is enough, I think, for him. So he if he needs to put in the stint this season in midfield, then he has to do it and he will do it. And I don't think he'll complain or cause trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean I agree, like I think we should play him there until at least until we get someone better in midfield. But I do think there is a risk that you know you could you could become unhappy if it goes on that long term. And you talk about loyalty, but I'm just not sure that in today's football that it doesn't that exist means, anymore. It's it, yeah, it's controlled by agents. Yeah, and he's been you know today he's been I know it's probably a lot of rubbish, but he's been linked to Real Madrid. Um, so you know, big clubs are going to come. It's going to see him, and he's definitely got talent. Even when he was making lots of mistakes at the back, it's quite obvious that he's got he's got ability. He's got lots of potential, and he's 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 very you know his technique is really sound for a defender. Um, so they'll see how comfortable he is on the ball, and see that you know there's definitely something there worth investing in. So I don't know. I, I he's the kind of player that I'd be worried about losing, and and I think that sort of goes for all, all of our younger players that are that, you know that we produce, sorry. Um I think with almost with every one of them there's a there's a little bit of a question mark over the future. Um so not just Kamara but no that I, I, I think it's really important for the the project that those players stay at Marseille. Yeah. Good enough. yeah, I I personally think it <laughs> not only would I have a chat with him and tell him he needs to play as, as a midfielder I, I I tell him, mate, like people's positions move, they 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 they're fluid, they change over their careers. Um, I honestly think when I see his qualities, I think he's a midfielder. The reflexes he's ha- he has, um, his mm. positioning in a midfield. It honestly, I think it's not even just a, an alternative solution. I think I think that's his his. I think that's his position. He's been great. He, he's like the never mind these past two games. Like every time he's played as a midfielder. He's he's been like good, very very good, and in defense, yes, he's been very good sometimes. But he's had a lot of three out of ten games that have been camouflaged by the fact that well, he's too young, he's from the club, so let's not like kill him for for the poor games he has. But he's had some shockers in defense. And yeah, away to Monaco. I mean, he was he was he was just very very poor. And and in midfield, not only would his would these mistakes be camouflaged by the fact that he's not the last man in defense. But he doesn't seem to make those mistakes. He seems to just have natural abilities and a natural flair for the game as a number six. And we need someone in that position because even Strootman playing, Strootman is the only player playing there and he's not even a natural CDM. So I think it should be a no-brainer. And I think long-term, we should look at Kamara as a central defending midfielder instead of a centre-back. I agree. Maybe, but... when, you, when you compare him to, to his international teammate Saliba, who's South Etienne, and he's going to Arsenal next season, that, that kid, he's, he's a natural defender. He's, he, he's just like a young Varane, where he's, he's, got the, he's got the physicality for it, but he's also got the pace, and he, he seems to read the game really well. And Kamara, 
he's just lacking. I don't think he's anywhere near the level of potential of Saliba, but I think he's got a good chance of, of being near that potential if he goes in midfield. Mm. Yeah, you know, those are the two things about him that I do think he is really lacking is his pace, actually, and his, you know, um, physical presence for a defender. I, I, in today's football especially, he's, he's not quite big enough yeah. or fast enough, and that's what, that's what we want. Generally, what clubs are looking for now with centre backs, they're looking for big, big, huge guys that um, you know can dominate defenders with a physical presence and speed. And he doesn't have that, and that might be where he is at the moment. Maybe more straight into midfield, but I feel like in time, you know, he as Rack said in the previous podcast, he can maybe become a quality defender. That might be his future. It's just right now, um, he may be better suited in midfield. Yeah. Um. So uh, we had a few few topics lined up for you guys, but I mean we're we're well over fifty minutes of the podcast. So unfortunately, that that's all we're going to be able to cover today. Um, we might cover like things like um, the the contract situation with the youth players, um, the, the the OM's next round of games, um, like the schedule. We're probably going to cover those in future podcasts, um, whether it's next podcast after the Toulouse game, or or if we have another international break or or the winter break, we could have another podcast to discuss those topics. But um, we hope that you guys enjoyed this this little kind of break, drama, surrounding news podcast. Um, if you guys enjoy it, we could do more. Um, maybe not during the week, but if there's a break like that again, like I said, during the winter window, we could do something like that again. And maybe at the end of the season, we could also do like a, a conclusive assessment of the season, assessment of Villas Boas, assessment of the recruits in more detail then. Um so we, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, do you guys want to say any final words before we cut off the podcast? Well, I, I just hope that the next time we do a podcast during a break, we're, we're still second. Well, I mean, we're, we're clearly playing for the title, aren't we? We're second at this point. Oh, yeah. Minus one goal difference, mate. <laughs> you know, we're living the dream here. Yeah. All right. So um, cheers, everyone, and see you next Monday after the Toulouse game and hopefully after a win at our second home of Toulouse. All right. Cheers, guys. Thanks, cheers. Guys. Thank you very much. Cheers, bye-bye. Cheers, mate.